Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 it's tax day. So a bunch of y'all have hit Mandy and I up. So welcome. If you're new, it's Brown Ambition. You knew that because you clicked the link. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a bunch of y'all have hit up Mandy and I because the Senate, like I was chilling on a Friday night, Saturday morning, doing what I usually do, nothing. And um, I was on Twitter. I know. Pooh. And um, there was this uh, trending hashtag tax bill scam. And I was like, what? So I clicked on it. And apparently the Senate was voting on um, their version of the tax bill. And um, people were not happy because um, according to, you know, basically all the Democratic senators, they had just been given this hugely overhauled 500 page document to read within like just a few hours which is like impossible. And, um, and so many of the things were handwritten in, which I thought was crazy. I mean, you can't hand, hand write a, a, a college paper, let alone like a bill that's going to affect all Americans. So, um, yeah. so go ahead. I was just going to say, so to set the scene, like the context of this, so the house, so basically the house and Senate worked on their own versions of the bill Yes, and they started out and they actually have done more work in terms of due process than they did on health reform. Like they actually took the bills in each house to committee, the committee passes it, and then it goes to the floor of the house and the Senate's version goes from committee to the floor of the Senate for a vote. And this one was super high stakes because the house had already passed its version of the tax bill. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the Senate has now passed it, that's why it's a big deal. Now, once, now that the Senate has passed it, they are supposed to get together and work out their differences to create yes. one whole version well, of the tax bill. So it's not over yet. Yes, but I'm, but I'm glad that folks are getting paying like, atten- are like paying attention now. I'm like, just yes. in time. <laughs> well, it's not over yet, but what's scary is how, how much they're similar in the bad ways, mm. you know? And so we're going to go over some of the ones like, so what I did was as I was like, you know, chilling and I won't say I wasn't doing anything. I was like hanging out at my best friend's house. Meanwhile, researching tax reform and stuff. <laughs> And so as I was reading and I was like, I was really trying to understand, okay, so what's in this bill? Cause everyone kept saying it's the death of the middle class. And, but I'm like, okay, but I don't, you know, I obviously I'm not going to read 500 pages tonight. So where can I find a really great article or the number of articles that will really help me to understand what's in this Senate bill and then help me to see what's in the house bill in comparison to the Senate bill. So I found a 
a couple of great articles, but especially one by the Washington Post. And so I created like this, like, and we'll put it on um, Brown Ambition on the Facebook page. Um, I'll be offended that you didn't link to the Magnify Money. I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I wasn't even thinking. I was just like, wait, what? And so I was like, you know what? You know, the teacher in me was like, let me break this down into like easily consumable points. So, I mean, as you probably can guess for businesses, AKA corporations, I mean, it's like, a, you know, it's birthday, Christmas anniversary time for them. So, um, there for, um, the tax rate for big, big, big businesses would fall from 35% to 20%. That's tremendous. Like, I don't even know. That's the largest reduction, like, basically almost ever. Um, and it would be, we would be lower, um, our corporate tax rate would be lower than any other foreign nation. So, like, 15 whole percent. Like, and what's so crazy to me is, like, yeah, so corporations kind of had the money, but whatever. Um, let's see some other things for corporations that were like, oh, uh, the bill shifts. The tax system on businesses from a worldwide system um, um, to a territorial system. So with the worldwide system, companies are taxed on all income earned all around the world. And a territorial system, they're mainly taxed on their earning in the U.S. So not only are they getting a lower tax rate, they're not even getting taxed on all of their money that they're making everywhere. So it's less money for the United States government to manage because, you know, taxes are are the purpose of taxes are for so the country can run itself. So the richest parts of our country, which are the corporations, are not only getting a tax break of 15%, they're also not going to get taxed, according to this bill, that's what they're requesting, not going to get taxed on like all of the money that they make. I mean, how nice for them, right? And what's even... Go ahead. I was just going to say that the clearest winner from the tax bill, you can't argue with big businesses like corporations. And people are wondering, like, what does it mean for me? And it's hard to say. I mean, it's like some people in the middle class might actually see their taxes reduced yes. a little bit. Yep. But a lot of people, like, it's like they're saying it's tax cuts, right? But I hate how Republicans say that it's tax cuts without also qualifying that. Something had to give in order to pay yes. for these massive tax cuts. Yes. And then what are we losing? Because you yes. can't just focus on, is my income bracket going to change? Which it probably will under this bill. Yep. Maybe lower, maybe higher. But like, what deductions are they getting rid of that the middle, a lot of families, a lot of individuals were used yes. to having to counteract their tax burden? So that's because it's like, if corporations are paying less, who's paying more? There's no, mm-hmm. like, that's just the nature of the world. As something goes down, something has to go up. So the government is not just going to say, hey, we'll just operate at $10 trillion less. That's not happening. So that's what, and, and what really disturbed me is that the proposed bill for the Senate um, that that this bill would make the um, permanent um, these tax cuts for corporations would be permanent and whatever tax breaks that they were going to issue, you know, regular people would expire um, 2026. So our little breaks would expire and theirs would not. That's like, wow. Oh, must be nice. Um, the rich also don't make out too badly either. Uh, because I mean, they're, they're, I think the top rate for millionaires would fall from 39.6 to 38.5. So 1%, um, they get to keep deducting contributions to charity. So the part that pisses me off is they get to make deductions, but there's a part in here where they're literally cutting like all itemization. Like I live in New Jersey, so I itemize meaning like, I'm like, Oh, you know, I bought this thing for work or I, um, you know, I, I travel, um, for work. So like you're, you're and not talking about 
for me as a business, but me as Tiffany. So, so many people, especially in New Jersey and California and um, states like that, they itemize. I think they said about a third of Americans itemize, you know, their their um, deductions. And they're trying to basically get rid of that, which is crazy to me, especially in high tax states like New Jersey. So the wealthy continues to deduct their contributions to charity, which is great, but we get to lose itemization. Like that's, I'm just like, it's, it's not all bad news, but it's thinly veiled what seems like not so bad news. But when you really dig deep, you're like, oh, so healthcare. So they're basically defunding Obamacare. Um, yeah. yeah well, go it's, ahead. it's like, um, yeah. So the way that they're doing it is, so we all know that with Obamacare created the individual mandate which basically said every American has to have health care or face a tax penalty. And the first year Obamacare came out, it was like, what, zero? And then it went up every year after that. But it's meant to it's meant to ensure that there's enough young, healthy people in the insurance market to counteract the older sick people. And when not mm-hmm. enough young people and healthy people are in the market paying their insurance premiums, um, the cost of insurance is so much higher for everyone else. So it's important yep. to get the mix right. So the individual mandate was like a was like a key feature of Obamacare because it was going to prevent young people from not signing up, give them some yes. sort of incentive. I mean, it's like the <laughs> carrot and the stick kind of yep. thing. So with the proposed tax reform from the GOP, they would have removed that individual mandate. And by in doing so, you're almost going to guarantee that um, a lot of people who um, who want to avoid that tax penalty would no longer have to worry about it, wouldn't sign up. Premiums are going to yep. skyrocket. Um, premiums are going to skyrocket for basically anybody who has health care from the on the on the um, from the Affordable Care Act. Um, but like and- the AARP has already come out against it. Like, so this is going to put a lot of our elderly folks in a really dangerous position of not being able to afford health care. Mm. Um, as a result, like I feel like the most vulnerable of our society is suffering. Like they they estimate that eighty percent of millionaires are going to pay less taxes again. If someone pays less, someone has to pay more. I just don't understand. Like, I feel like I remember, like, I just, I don't know if the first president I can, well, the first president I can really strongly remember as a kid was Ronald Reagan. And he came up with that whole trickle down economics, Mm -hmm. which was give breaks to the rich, the rich will spend and it will trickle down to the poor. And that did not work. The poor got poorer and the rich got richer because that's not how that works. And I feel like this is that same sentiment of tax breaks to corporations and to, you know, millionaires and to wealthy folks. And somehow this is going to lead to um, some sort of beneficial trickle down to those who who don't have money. And it's proven over and over again that tax breaks to corporations does not lead to um Folks who don't have having more. It just doesn't. This is just, to me, this is just Republicans kind of scratching the back of their big donors. Like, I promise you that we passed this thing that would make you more money. Here it is. There's also concern that it's going to reduce, it's going to eventually cut like $25 billion from Medicare, mm. um, which of course is what a lot of older people use for for um, for health coverage, um, especially when they're in between um when they leave their jobs. So I think when you turn 60, what, 62 or 65, you start drawing on Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, 65. Yeah. And so you're really hurt. That's why I think the AARP and other senior advocacy groups are coming out against it. Um, it's, uh, it's no bueno. And it's like, it's much clearer to me. And, and the fact that we don't really have much time, like Trump has said, I want this bill passed by Christmas and that's yep. why they're rushing it through. I mean, at least they're taking it to committee, but they literally gave, 
our other lawmakers less than two hours in the Senate to review this 500 page document. And I'm like this thing. And the, and meanwhile, they're in order to get the votes. I mean, this isn't like anything new. So in order to get votes from people that you need, you give them something that they want. So they're like yeah. stuffing this bill with other crap. Why? Yeah, like you see the drilling in Australia, um Alaska. I'm like, what does this have to do with taxes? <laughs> like that, I saw that it was drilling would be allowed in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, National yeah. Wildlife Refuge. And so, first of all, what does that have to do with taxes, and why is it in this bill? It's so egregious. Like, and I saw like because I posted it, and I try to post it with um, without kind of comment, and people were like, oh, this is not so bad, but you're not reading underneath the lines, like. It doesn't seem so bad because you're like, oh, hey, we're going to give you more in um, an, uh, child credit, like a child tax credit from 1000 to 2000 So that's not so bad. And hey, you know, we'll allow you to still deduct property taxes, which is crazy. Like, why would I not be allowed to deduct property taxes, you know, but just up to $10,000, which it's like, uh, okay, but I just, uh, I just... Let's talk about the little things that people may not. So, I mean, I have, I'm looking at our chart now. So we have medical expense deduction. So uh, if your medical expenses exceed 10% of your gross income, you can deduct them if you automize from your taxes. Um, the Senate bill would preserve it. The House is re- would repeal it. They're, they don't agree on that. The mortgage mm-hmm. interest rate, the, uh, the mortgage interest tax, tax deduction, yeah. which is like the biggest reason why when you're if you're in between yes. you know, am I gonna rent or am I gonna buy? Yep. One of the first things people say is, well you can re- you can deduct your mortgage interest payments. Yep. Um and under the Senate bill it would retain it and under the House bill it would uh reduce the cap. It would reduce the amount that you can deduct on your mortgage interest. Um I think we talked about oh teacher tax the teacher deduction. So yeah. under the Senate plan it um, increases. I think it doubles under the Senate plan. Well, the house from, would cut the. Right now, you can deduct up to two hundred and fifty dollars, right, of, mm-hmm. of things that you buy as teachers buy school supplies. The house would cut it. The Senate would keep it. Maybe increase yeah. it. Um, thank God, at least they didn't touch the four hundred one k benefit. I um, know. I was like, it, that would have been crazy. And you know, now I mean, they're like, you know, they're crowing um, in the White House, like uh, Speaker Paul Ryan. They're like, yes, next up, welfare. Next up, Medicare. I'm like. I just like, do these people think they're never going to get old? Or maybe I just, you know, like they cannot wait. So, so Social Security, they're really looking to to cut um, entitlement programs. So entitlement programs are those programs that um, typically help the most vulnerable of our society. So um, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, welfare, those type of things. I'm really trying to get rid of those things or reduce them tremendously. So it's like, so corporations get these tremendous cuts. And people who don't have money, they get to pay more. I just don't understand how that works and how you sleep at night. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And so just reading through it, like I said, like on its surface, people are like, Oh, it doesn't seem that bad. I'm like, well, this is like the door, the opening of Pandora's box of, well, if, because here's the thing, if this goes through, they're going to have to make other changes somewhere because there's not enough money to support this plan. And so that's what this will allow. It's almost like, um, getting into college. Hey, I got into college, but now someone has to pay tuition. So like, it's, you know, getting into college seems it's a great thing, but you know, how are you going to pay for it? And this, this tax bill, um, leaves a big, how is it going to be paid for? And it's very clear by the way, this bill is written, that is not going to be paid by, by the wealthiest in our society. Amen. 
Yeah. Well, it's not over yet. I think that, I mean, there's still time for people to get familiar with what's happening. Yeah. Um, as they, as they continue to debate it. I mean, I, at this point, I feel like it's inevitable. We're about to have yeah. the biggest tax reform. And I mean, as a journalist, I think it's exciting because you get tired of writing the same tax stuff over and over again, but I mean, it's, <laughs> Um, so it's in that regard, it's, it's exciting. This is like, this is a, this is a big freaking deal. And don't, don't, don't underestimate how important this moment is. Like there hasn't been tax reform since the eighties. Yeah. Um, so since Reagan, I think, yeah, Reaganomic. So, um, I mean, I wish it wasn't the GOP managing it, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens and you can contact your, your Senator and your house representative and, and tell them how you feel about whatever works for you. You know, I would say, like, I think maybe people aren't digging into it because they're like, it's just so huge. And, you know, I don't I want to understand everything. Honestly, you can be a little selfish, like go in there if you're a teacher, like or you yeah. know someone who has high medical expenses or you have a parent who relies on Medicare um, and something matters to you. Like, let your representatives know what's happening in your front yard and your home um, so that your voice is heard. Um, that's, that's all I'll say. You know what? I, st- I still send letters to Atlanta my uh, or sorry, my Georgia representatives because I'm mm. like, just one more liberal voice in New York City is not really going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that maybe is cheating, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what me, Georgia. you know what I was thinking? Like all this time I said, if you haven't gotten into the house of cards, you need to now because so many of these things I was like, Oh, like, you know, this whole pre quo quo, like, Oh, like when you watch like Frank Underwood and, and his wife and like you kind of see the back dealings on Capitol Hill and you're like, oh, this makes more sense to me. Like watching them push bills through and why some people make some choices that they make and all these other things. Because there were a number of Republicans, honestly, because they only won by two votes. There were a number of Republicans that came out against it. And then at the last minute, we're like, no. So you're like, well, what do they give you? It's clear. What did you get? You know? And so I, I hope that folks who, because I know there are people who are uh, um, conservative, um, which is fine, but at the same time, you know, that this is this is not going to work in your favor. I hope that you are taking note of the your representatives that voted for something that was not in your favor. I mean, unless you're super duper wealthy, and if you are, congratulations. But, you know, in the long run, this is not in your favor. So I hope you're taking note and you say, you know what, when midterm elections come up, there's hell to pay because like, you know, not being able to afford your regular life, it's hard enough. You, you know, what's so crazy. I was telling my sister, I'm like, you know, it's so crazy that when maybe my parents were younger, that you could actually have a regular job and buy a house and a car and go on vacation once a year. That That's a, that's a crazy concept to me. I'm like, how do you do that? Like a regular job. I'm a teacher. I'm a mechanic. I'm a factory worker. And whatever it is, I have a regular job, I'm able to save, get a house, I'm able to get a car, and I'm able to go on vacation with the family once a year. That's not even a thing. What does that mean? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that is our, (laughs) that is our buzzworthy, I think. Like, you know, get into it. We're going to, like I said, I'm going to post it on uh, our Brown Ambition page to break down, Um, but do some research on your own. We should be talking about this regularly with your family and friends. Congrats if you're a corporation, you get, you know, you get money, but I don't think it'll take long to realize that trickle down economics still doesn't work. Yeah. But who's, aren't there studies that show the more money you get, the more selfish you are? Yes. (laughs) 
No, because I mean, the point, the, well, I think obviously the point of trickle-down economics, it's not for it to work. That's what you just tell the masses. The point yeah. of trickle-down economics is for you and your cronies to benefit. Whew, as the Washington Post says, democracy dies in the darkness. So we got to bring it to light. <laughs> um, speaking of the Washington Post, I'm at this, so I'm in, I'm in, um, I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, right, right outside of Tampa at this um, NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists. And the Pointer Institute put on this leadership academy for diversity and digital um, leadership. So like young editors from like publications across the country get together and they do like trainings for us. And it's been really, this is only day one. And I'm like really pushing through because it's, they, they, they made us get reviews from like eight people on our teams and our companies and then read them today. So that was okay. like interesting. Um, but anyway, we heard from um, the editor of The Undefeated. Um, oh God, I'm going to forget his last name, but he was the managing editor from the Washington post left that really amazing job to go, um, basically, uh, save this undefeated, which is like an offshoot of ESPN. It's a website that they started that was supposed to cover sports, but with an almost entirely all black news team, like to kind of do away with some of the, you know, bias or like, you know, soft, racism that you'll see in some news stories and, you know, covering sports or whatever. But he, he had some like really amazing things to say about um, like when to choose, like he was at the Washington post. He had been, he had been like a writer at the Washington post for a long time. And this is a good example of like, when do you take a chance that actually, you know, gets set in front of you if you don't feel like you're ready for it. But Mm -hmm. he said, he's like, I was a writer. I was happy. Um, I was happy writing. It was like 2008. Obama had just been elected and I was ready to, you know, be covering this election or covering his term in office for the next four, eight years. Kevin Morita. Sorry, I forgot his last name. Um, And then someone tapped him on his shoulder and they're like, we need you to run the national news desk. And this is a big job and a newsroom, especially for like the Washington Post. Like you're covering every reporter covering the country. Um, and he was like, man, I, I really was looking forward to sitting in my my space that I carved out for myself, you know, covering this. I had covered the election and now covering the term of the first African-American president in U.S. history. And then he was like, but then I started thinking, if not me, then who? Yeah. And if if I don't take this opportunity, this, you know, this huge promotion, um, there's it's very likely that someone who doesn't look like me is going to get this job. Yeah. And what it and what it means for me to do this job is that people beneath me who look like me will see that it's possible. And that was and he said it was sort of like an act of community service why he took that job and got into that leadership role. And I just thought that that I just I just, I liked what he had to say about that and I felt like it was a it was a different way of looking at like it's almost a responsibility to strive for more than what mm-hmm. is just acceptable. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's like I do. I will, yeah, like I will, I will take this lead even if I don't think I want it, just because no one like me has done it before, and I need someone has to be the first. And if I've been like tapped on the shoulder, then hell yeah, I'll be the first. Because I, I think it was Farnoosh when we were like at the like my second FinCon. It was a Farnoosh or somebody else, but I feel like it was her who said something to that effect to me. She said it like on the stage, so not like to me necessarily, but I think she said someone told her because she was like, oh, I'm making whatever amount of money that's more than enough. And they were like, no, because women tend to be like that. Well, I know I am anyway, where I was like, oh, you know, if I make 75000 or 100000 that's more than enough. I mean, like, if, have you met me? Like, you know, I still, you know, get my dresses from JCPenney and I'm fine with that. You know, like, I don't, it doesn't really move me. And so 
um, she basically was like, no, that if you have the opportunity, it was Farnoosh, to grow great wealth and you don't, you're being selfish. And I remember being like, what? But I don't need all that money. She's like, yeah, you don't. But how many causes will you champion? How many kids will you put through school? How many daycare centers will you fund? Whatever it is that moves you because you have this additional income that you don't necessarily need for yourself. And I thought about that. And since then, because I was, I felt greedy or I felt like, I don't know, selfish for like trying to make a lot of money. Cause I'm like that. It feels like, I don't know, capitalistic and materialistic. I don't know. I just didn't like the way I felt. And, you know, and I just was like, well, I won't make a lot of money. Then I'll make enough to support myself, you know, help my family out a little bit, but nothing more than that. And now no, I want to go balls to the wall and not so I can have like this pile of money, but so I can give away this pile of money, you know, yeah. like I would love to be an angel investor for like brown girl businesses because Silicon Valley's like, what? Like I was telling my friend, I was like, imagine this girl comes up with like a perm that does not break off your edges and actually makes your hair, hair healthier. Like, and you go to Silicon Valley, they don't get it because you know, how would they get it? They're like, I don't get it. But I'm like, what? This perm that actually makes your hair healthier, that doesn't break off your edges, that doesn't break off your hair. What? I want to invest in that because I understand the vision. I understand. So I want to be able to do stuff like that. So I just, I say all that to say that, like, yes, going for it, you playing small really does not benefit anyone. And that, you know, I'm glad that he took that position because it means that you're opening the door wider for someone else to come through. It doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. But yeah, that if you ever get the opportunity to do something, if it's in alignment with who you are, go for it. Because it's not just for you, it's for others. Lovely. Perfectly said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what's, oh, what's happening in the budget Nista world? Um, nothing. Honestly, the, the new, I can't wait. The new Live Richard Challenge will be launching in a week or so. It's the net worth edition, which is like perfect timing now. Because I was asking myself, like, we've done the fundamentals, which is like the basics, like budgeting, saving, that kind of stuff. I had, well, budgeting, mostly budgeting. Um, then we did the savings edition, which was all about saving. Then we did the credit edition with magnify money, which is super dope. And it's all about credit. And so I was asking myself and I did like a survey and asked folks like, what is it? Everyone's wanting to side hustle. And I kind of asked myself why. And I guess at the end of all that, I thought, you know what, what if we could work on the net worth edition? At first I was going to do the debt edition, but I found that folks, don't really want to talk about debt. And so I said, well, how do I sneak in the peas and carrots into the pizza? And so, because <laughs> you know, your net worth is reducing your debt and increasing your assets. And yeah. so that's what the net worth edition is going to be. It's three weeks, totally free. This is our fourth year. It's one of my favorite things that we do because it's like literally free on free. So many dope resources. Um, and we're going to teach you how to reduce your debt, increase your income and increase your assets. So at the end, I mean, it's going to take more than three weeks to increase your net worth, but you'll be on a solid um, path to increasing your net worth. So that's that's the big thing we're working on for 2019. And it'll launch. Well, sign up will start like in a week or so. And it'll be all 2019. You can sign up whenever you want once um, the initial launch is done. Oh, that's exciting. I love the literature challenge. Right. Now, with this one, do you stop at paying down debt or do you talk about what to do with the worth that you've netted? <laughs> like, like if you so, actually have a positive net worth. Now what? So, well, no, well, so we talk about, so this is why it's the net worth edition, because it's really about increasing your net worth. So if you have no debt, great, then we're just going to show you how to make your net worth even higher. If you have, so 
it's the three core things are, you know, reducing debt, increasing your income. So how do you actually increase your income and then increasing your assets? So it, no matter what I love about it, it's like so, so sort of like the credit edition, no matter where you start, like I could have had a 700 and done the credit edition and then left with a 750. So you can have a net worth of a positive 1000 and then leave with a $3,000 net worth, or you can have negative 10,000 and then leave with negative five. So it's not the net worth edition is not about getting you out of debt. It's really about raising how much you are financially worth, no matter where that space is. Mm. Yeah. So I'm excited about it because I think most people don't think about that. I never thought about like, what's my net worth? Like, you it's know, the it's the key like, number. It's the key freaking yep. number. It's like the, it's more important than your credit score. Cause it, yep. I feel like it flows, everything flows from it. You know what yep. I mean? If you get your net worth in a positive space, then everything else will sort of fall into place. Exactly. So, so I'm excited. Exactly. So it's going to be dope. I think it's going to, I just love to see everybody working together. Like, woohoo! like my net worth is 200. Okay. That's better than zero, better than negative or, you know, so, I mean, cause I'm not going to lie. I don't even, I haven't checked my net worth in how long. So I'm excited to do the challenge along with y'all. Fun. I'm okay. I'm going to do it. I want to be involved too. You should have me do something. <laughs> yeah. You can come do a live with me. You know how we did last. I was looking I back at our old YouTube. I was like, oh my God, we had so much fun. You could definitely come do a, um, like, cause I you know, every to, Sunday. I just miss your face. So I'm just going to insert myself <laughs> into any opportunity. No, you should come. Cause that'll be fun. Cause once a week, you know, we'll do the live where literally it's just a, you know how it is just a Q and a check in chat. So you could definitely come and, and do one. Cause everyone's always like, where's Mandy? It's funny now when I go out and people are like, how's Mandy? I'm like, oh, my God, look, Ryder Bishop is like, you know, I was in a big major group the other day and someone was like, oh, I want to follow a black business podcast. Does anybody know? And like so many people were like, Ryder Bishop. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, ah, we're out here. <laughs> what about oh you? What's going on in Mandy life? Well, other than being at this, taking a, first of all, shout out to my, I was going to do it. Can we? Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Why don't we do our boost and break? Yes, let's do that. You want to? Boost, break, boost, break. What you gonna do? For some reason, my pitch is higher than usual. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? You gonna boost, you gonna break? It's that new vegan diet. <laughs> right, which I... <laughs> um, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to boost because I'm, I, I was, I wanted to boost um, companies, managers, leaders who will allow their employees to be off of work for a week to focus on leadership and training tra uh, that for their job. Like, like my company, um, we're only by lending tree now, but I have to give my supervisor, Nick, a lot of credit because, you know, he's a co-founder of Magnify Money. And when I told him I was accepted into this, into this academy and it's really exciting, even though my like work has never been busier or more intense than ever, um, he was like, go, do it, run, got, bye, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I worked like triple 
quadruple time the past couple of weeks to prepare myself, but I'm down here and I am surrounded by, you know, for anyone out there who's working in a small office or for a startup um, and you feel like, who are, where's my tribe? You know, where are my people to like bounce ideas off? And not just at a small office, but if you're a leader in a small office, it can sometimes feel as if I don't have anyone to sort of, um, to sort of like let down, not let down my hair with, but like talk about things that are bothering me without having to worry about morale or not having to worry about, you know, cause I feel like you give, give, give as a manager and you want to support your support, the people under you and help them do their best work. That's what it's really about. But then like, who's checking in with you and making sure that you're doing a good job. And so anyway, this, this is an amazing opportunity. They, there was like close to 200 applicants and they chose 24 or 25 mm-hmm. people, like um, editors from all these different publications from the New York times to course magnify money um from oh gosh like uh um the tampa i think the local tampa newspaper just newspapers and usa today and all these great publications but we're all young brown um lgbtq latina black whatever asian editors um you know minority editors and i think that we're getting the one-on-one mentoring and coaching that isn't common um or that you don't really get from people who look like you um, mm-hmm. and especially for those of us working in smaller, like newsrooms and stuff. So it's only been day one, but I'm already feeling just the people that I've met. And like, there's, you. I, I knew it was going to be powerful, but when you really sit next to someone who's on the other side of the country and you're like, I have this problem and they're like, oh my God, me too. Or I need to work on this thing as a manager. And they're like, you know, you just have these people, you don't feel alone and you don't feel like crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah the problems that I'm having, the strengths that I have, but the weaknesses I have too are not unique and like they're fixable and there's, and I'm already getting so many tips from everybody. I'm just like taking notes. I'm like, what do you do? What, how did you handle that problem? I'm like, Ooh, I love what do you it. do? And I'm like stealing all these ideas and stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really excited and I'm really grateful that my company is allowed and they're, you know, they paid my way down here too. They didn't have to, cause it's this, I could have gotten a, a small stipend for the travel, but yeah, they're paying my way down here and really supporting me and I and I want to turn around and find ways for the people that work for me to do the same thing like get you know go do their own sort of development and stuff like that and to step back and reflect on what you've done like I feel like for the last four months especially I've been so focused on meeting goals and hitting my numbers in terms of the amount of content that we've put out mm-hmm. and like we've gone from doing 30 to 45 to 60 to 75 to 90 we're going to be at 120 stories videos a month plus, like probably 150 by February. And I've been mm. really focused on that. And I haven't had time to like, step back, look at what has happened the past, the, sorry, the past four months and give myself an assessment and see what's working, what's not working and like fix it now rather than later. So I love that. And when you find your tribe, there's nothing better because they help to, to normalize what you might feel like seems crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My people, my people, my people, my people. Um, I want to boost. I had a bunch of things in my head, but I think I'm going to boost um, taking a moment. So I've been using like Headspace. So some of you guys like downloaded Headspace. I'm so excited until I realized I was like, oh, only the first 10 sessions are free. After that, they're like, yeah, child, you need a subscription. So if anybody has any suggestions for free, um, meditation app I'm open to them no but I want to because of headspace and just uh just in general I've been doing a lot of reflecting so I really want to boost kind of acknowledging how far you've come because it's the end of the year like I was talking to my sister 
who was working for this big, huge financial company, but was not happy. Um, and she really wanted to make a huge shift. Like she was a financial analyst, you know, had her like degree in economics and marketing and whatever. So, but she always like was really into clothes. She's like, I would love to be a buyer, like a clothes buyer. So it seemed like such a random shift. And today she texts me, she's like, oh my God, do you realize it's been three years since I left that big evil financial um, company? And I was like, three years? It seems like both forever and yesterday. And I said, are you proud of yourself? Because she's an assistant buyer for a huge national brand. And lately she's been like, oh, like, oh my God, this job is, um, it's a lot. And, you know, I, I wish I was further along. And I'm like, are you crazy? In three years, you totally switch careers. Like you went from financial analyst to, hey, I'm a buyer at this huge, ginormous, like clothing company. And like, meanwhile, no prior experience. And so it just reminded me because I'm, I do the same thing that she was doing is like, like just boosting. I really want to boost, like taking a moment and acknowledging, like, I'm not where I used to be, that I'm, I'm better, even if it's not this huge leap. But I feel like sometimes we jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing that we never like kind of relish in the fact that we're growing and we're better. And yeah, so yeah, I, I feel like so many people that I know, like I said, including myself, like, you know, really take a step back. Like I had to think to myself, like, you know, less than 10 years ago, I was a preschool teacher. Because sometimes I'll get down on myself like, oh, Tiffany, you have so much stuff to do. You're not as organized as you ought to be. You should be doing this and this and this. And I'm like, uh, ma'am, you are a preschool teacher. Nothing's wrong with that because obviously I love the kids. But like you're running two successful companies now. I mean, give yourself a little bit of, okay, Tiff, you doing it, girl. And I, I rarely give myself that. I'm always super critical of like where I should be versus how far I've come. So that's my boost for you listeners for Mandy. Cause I know Mandy's also hard on herself. Um, and then myself just like, you know, you, you killing it out here in these streets. Give yourself a little like pat in the back, a little shoulder shimmy in the mirror. Like, ah, I see you boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I was like shoulder shimmying. Like I was saying, I was like, Tiffany, why are you in- involuntarily moving in shoulder shimmy? <laughs> Because we feel it in your tongue. And you know what was hard about today is one of the things they had us do before we came to this training was to, to send out evaluation, performance evaluation forms to eight of our colleagues, like four direct reports, like three managers and one person you don't really work with at all, directly anyway. Um, and then they, I didn't realize it, but we they gave it to us in like a red folder today. <laughs> they were like, here's your reviews. Go find a quiet place and read them. And they made us... Yes. And they made us solemnly swear that we were going to read the positive because there were six questions. The first five were sort of positive. Like, what is what do they do? Well, the sixth question was, what do they need to work on? And, and he was like, you have to look at the positive, take a highlighter, highlight the positive words. And I'm so glad he did that because, you know, I was about to go right to question number six. Yeah. Like, what does so-and-so think of really think about me? <laughs> But I took a highlighter. And when you do that and you're like, you're forced. To, and I know it's we're coming up if you work for a big company. Um, you might have annual reviews coming up and, you know, you get feedback from your manager or if you don't at least ask for it. Um, and don't focus on what needs to, I mean, you want to, of course, like take constructive criticism on what needs to be improved, but also focus on the positives because you might see some emerging trends there. Like a lot of people said the same things about me that were positive, And I was really proud of that because it's like everything I've been trying really hard to do is it's actually coming across, you know what I mean? Yay! And people are receptive to it. And um, anyway, I'm just really glad that they said that because I agree with you. I think that you can be really hard on yourself. And obviously, we're not 
stupid idiots. Like we like obviously <laughs> you're not, you know, you're worthy of being where you are because you are where you are. Like Yeah. So but I think yeah, it's the harshest critic is always yourself and it's yes. it's just nice to it's nice to, you know, just force yourself to just listen to the positive and tell yourself the positive too. And like, let it sit and simmer. Cause I'll be like, oh my God, that thing happened. That's so good. Okay. And I'm like, what? No, Tiffany. Like, okay. You know, like sit and let it, I don't know. I don't know if people think, and I, I know maybe I think like, I don't want to become prideful. Like, well, you know, well, you know, the team, it's like, no, you know, yes, the team, but you contributed. Cause I find myself giving a lot of the, um, for lack of a better word, credit away. Mm. Like I'll say like, Oh my God, my marketing guy. Oh my gosh. You know, because without him, we wouldn't, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, he came in three, three years ago. You started the budget East in 2008. So yes, he is awesome. But there was a company here before he got here and it was a, a good company, you know? And so I find myself nervously always doing that. Like, Hey, you want some credit? Take it. Hey, you, you want some credit? Take it. Um, and so, yeah, it's something because I, I, I get it. It's like a thin line between, uh, being your cheerleader and then like, you know, being like a jerk about it. And so I'm always not, never wanting to be like too, I don't know. Do you have a feedback system? I know you work with like a bunch of people, but do you, do you have a way for them to give you a review? Maybe you I would like to that. tell you. Yes. I think because so. think... you're the top of the organization. So it's not like, yes. So I, maybe I'm going to create an anonymous way for people to give feedback because obviously I think everybody would be like nervous, obviously to tell me, to my face. So maybe what I probably, I could do like one of those, like, um, survey monkey or whatever, Google like surveys. Yeah. Ooh, that's actually a really good idea because ah, I'm scared. Do it. It's so scary. But once you, I'm just saying, read the positive, do the five positive questions or however many positive questions first. I can just send you the same survey they sent. No, I I would love that. Cause honestly it would help me to be like, Oh, so you guys like this, but you don't like this. And, and honestly, yeah, I'm like, I'm, it's so crazy. Cause I'm open to feedback about the company all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when like dream catchers or dream builders are like, I don't like this. I don't like that. It doesn't bother me, but feedback about me, I'm like, ah, cause I've learned not to take it personally, but you can't not take it personally when they're like, Hey, you Tiffany. <laughs> No, but you know what? That's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Ah, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. And they yeah. listen too. Yeah, they're going to be like, yes, Tiffany, let's do feedback. I'm like, oh my gosh, be gentle the first time around. No, no, be honest. And they <laughs> might want feedback from you too. And if, you know, I don't know, you know, I found out from my reviews, two of my direct reports, one of them who's been with me for a year now, over a year, had just so funny and just like the longest review. I was like, this has to be from her. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, I saw her name. I was like, of course. And then the newer hire um, had felt like, um, some of my, the way that I speak to them, I'm very direct and I'm, you know, I have like my, I I'm, I'm an editor. So I'm like, you know, do this this way and no, that's not right. And can you change this and whatever I make suggestions. And I, I try and be very hands-on and, and honestly, I'm trying really hard to temper my own directness. I'm, I have that type of personality where I'm very task oriented and I just want to say what I have to say and then, you know, keep on trucking. It's not personal. It's just how I manage. And it, it serves me very well in my role, but when I'm on a one-on-one level with like a employee, someone who's young and as a reporter and needs to learn, I have to like put on my other hat. And anyway, Mm -hmm. this, this more recent hire um, said that she felt um, as if I, as if I needed to explain why then like say no, but then why like explain, sit down and walk through, like deconstruct the no, deconstruct what I'm saying. 
And I was like, I took that feedback because what has worked for me and this other reporter, you know, it took us a long time to work out our relationship and we've, she's been there for over a year, but Mm -hmm. we have a good relationship now. And I'm starting with someone at a different level. So someone Mm -hmm. who's used to me and someone who's not used to me. And I have to sort of start over with her and, and give her the same amount of attention. Um, and the challenge is like my, my time has never been more stretched, but I have to make the time because I don't, I, I don't want her to feel like I don't have time for her or that I'm like not motivating her to do well. No, I love that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now see, now you got me motivated. I feel like we're going to do like, I mean, I know that the team like loves working for the company overall, but I know that I can do, I can be a better leader because my, my leadership, um, well, one, I, I'm really new to leadership because honestly, this is the second, we've been like a year and a half in to actually having a team up until like a year and a half ago, it was just me and maybe like a random like intern or assistant here and there, but just me. So having an actual team, it's really new. So I believe in like kind of like shared leadership. So I don't take this kind of like top down heavy approach where I'm like, this is what we're doing. It's more so you know, everybody kind of has like their general area that they look after. So I'm always like, so what's happening in your area? What trends are you seeing? Good and bad. What do you think that the area needs? So then let's kind of like map out a, like a plan of action for, for what you say that the area needs. And, and then if I see something like myself that I'm like, you know, I see that too or whatever. So that's my general, but it's good, but sometimes it's a little bit too loose because I'm like, so sometimes something won't be done to completion. And I'm like, wait, what was that? What were we supposed to do? So I'm not super duper organized. So I know that's something I could definitely do better. It's like, okay, you said that this is what needs to be done. Like, let's map out the tasks that you're going to do. So every week when we have our call, I know you're working toward those tasks. That's something I, I would like to personally work on is like to make sure that things are saw you're seeing through to completion. But yeah, I don't like the, because uh, I feel like we're all kind of adults and who knows better about what's happening with customer support than the folks in customer support or who knows better about, you know, so I'm not here to tell you what you need to do is it's more so well, what do you think and feel, you know, what do you see? And like, you know, and they know, like, I'm not sensitive. If you're like, honestly, everyone says this class sucks. And I'm like, okay, so what can we do to fix it? You know, they know that like, if something sucks, please tell me ASAP. You know, if people are upset or mad or whatever, like we had a bunch of cancellations in my, my, uh, my, my finance and numbers girl were like, yo, we, we spiked in cancellations this week. It was random, like by 20%. And that we we're trying to figure out, okay, what, what happened? Did, you know, like why? And so she knew she didn't have to be afraid to be like, eh, people canceled a lot this week because it's more so about like, let's fix the issue. That's my biggest thing. I'm, I'm what I call a a paper towel um, or I I try to be a paper towel problem solver. So like my dad is, you spilled the milk, you fuss about the milk is spilled, you're wasting milk. My mom is, you spilled the milk, here's a paper towel. And so I don't need to fuss over a mistake was made. Like we're here now. How do we fix it? Where's the paper towel? Exactly. And that's why so, and you need to hear that people will see that that even the act of asking people for feedback is so affirming to them and will mm. make them feel even more affirmed. Like I think I've assu- you know you assume maybe that people feel a certain way about working, but even just saying, "Hey, I've heard you," or "Hey, I'm even going to try to fix this habit I have that I know is not working. I'm going to put in the effort to try." Like it's you know be have be have patience with me you know, that I feel like that has value too. It's not like no one expects you to turn a switch with after you get this feedback and fix everything that yeah. may, you know, be, may be improved. But I think people really, really respect a leader who at least acknowledges that there's work to be done and yeah. 
never gets tired, never thinks that they're, uh, you know, done. That yep. they're done. Absolutely. All right, team. I know you're listening. Feedback time. <laughs> uh, do we have any questions? We do. We do. We do. Questions. I love you guys' question. You guys are like really like tight and bright. I'm like, yes. We should call it Stump Tiffany and Mandy. I'm like, yeah, pass. <laughs> Can I just tell you a random while we're looking for questions? So why did like um, a company reach out to me? They wanted to work with me. And I hope they don't listen, but they listen. I don't care. So they sent me another person's contract. And I was like, so at first Ooh. they sent it. And yes. So at first they sent it, but I didn't really think anything of it. I thought she was just sending it to me to look at the statement of work. Cause she kept saying, look at the statement of work and see if this is what you'd like to do. So I looked at that and I was like, okay, this is fine. But she kept saying like, you know, and then she emailed me back again. Like, oh, make sure you look at the statement of work. I don't, she didn't realize obviously it was someone else's contract. Look at the statement of work. Um, again, you know, because we're going to send you your, uh, like send you your, uh, find your final contract. So then I ended up like really reading and I'm like, well, this seems weird that they're sending me someone else's contract to review. Then I realized, wait, they probably thought this was the blank version. It's nuts. So I was reading and I'm like, huh, interesting at this price point that I'm not receiving. So I wrote them back was like, yeah, I reviewed the statement of work, but also the terms and pricing, and before moving forward, I'd like to talk about what this person is getting and why I'm not getting that. So yeah, I'm just waiting to hear back. <laughs> was oh now I'm interested. So was this person like, uh, yeah? What do you know this person? Like who's no, I don't. You saw? Okay, they, they're also an influencer. So it was like an influencer contract. They wanted me to do some influencer stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it was an influencer contract. From what I could see, she didn't have a larger following than I did. It, um. And yeah, so I was kind of like a little annoyed to see like, oh, because you told me you didn't pay for that. But in here, it looks like you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I wasn't mean in the in the reply email. I just said, hey, I did look at the statement of work, but I also noticed this is not my contract. Um, but I did notice that she's being paid this before moving forward. I'd like to talk about, you know, what that looks like for me. And it just, it just, yeah. It, I'm not gonna lie, it pissed me off, but it also made me be like, you know, it just makes you like re remind you of really asking for what you're worth because someone is getting it. Yeah. And why not so, you? Yeah, and it's hard, you know, not everyone gets emailed someone else's contract to yes. find out what the limit is, you know, that's lucky. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all asking ourselves. Is it enough? You know, how do I know? And sometimes it's gotta sometimes you gotta look at the coffee machine at the office and see what's there yeah. sometimes. <laughs> But it was a good <laughs> reminder of like, because sometimes a lot of companies will tell you like, oh, we don't do that. And so, and honestly, I already had in my mind, like, this wasn't like, not that it wasn't, I mean, it's a great company. I like them. But I already had in my mind that I was like, you know, if they don't say the right thing, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's not a fit. I'll, you know, you can keep it. Because at this point, like, it's one of the reasons too, why I keep um, partnership agreements and that and to a minimum, like it's never more than like 20% of my overall income. So that way at any point in time, if like a brand just doesn't sit right, you know, I can be like, yeah, you can keep it because it's not going to make or break whether I can pay my bills or not. Cause I don't like that, you know? So we'll see. I'm sure they'll come back with something. Um, because I know she probably was like, yikes. Cause what, first of all, I should not be seeing her contract. Mm. Yeah. Don't, don't tell her. But. Yeah. Well, no, no, I would never, well, I don't know who the <laughs> other person is. I'm saying like the woman who sent it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. I should like, you know, I know she was like, yikes. Cause I don't know. Like, Yes, I'm sure she was. I'm sure she was like, so <laughs> my bad. And she's kind of newish to the company. 
So I was like, the fact that you said this to me twice, hmm. <laughs> Oops. Attachments are hard. Like, not even going to lie. I'm not even being, I'm not joking. They're hard. <laughs> uh, I found, I found our, I found our question of the evening. Good, good. I'll jump into that. Um, so this is from someone who likes to go by Mrs. Newlywed from Atlanta, Georgia. This isn't my question. Don't worry. Uh, this is a <laughs> different person. Um, she says, I love your podcast. Hopefully you can help me with this question. I recently married my best friend. Now we are getting into how to budget monthly monies. Interesting. They waited till after they were married to talk about budgeting. What is the best new couple budget friendly spreadsheet guide or even website that can help us better organize our monthly bills? I extremely appreciate your help. Mrs. Newlywed. Ooh, what do you use? So she wants a tech focused answer. Yes. So uh, luckily, well, okay. So we, we've tried a bunch of different things. Um, we don't have like any one app that we use. I think okay. for a while, my husband was using mint when he was dealing with his own finances. I was, you know, I had used mint bill pay to like manage my money. Um, and then I was starting to use, um, Oh, what's it called now? Uh, Oh, I got to find it on my phone. I love that app. It's the app where it tells you how much you have to spend on any given day. I've talked about it before. I know oh, you did. Show. Is it piggy, piggy, smarty pig? No. No, it's not Smarty Pig. Um, I'm gonna find my cell phone in a second. Okay. Um, I don't want. I, rem- I remember you talking about that app, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, dang it! I need to find it. Anyway, I'm gonna. I don't want to mess up the audio, but um, and that was helping. That was helpful for me as a couple. I think transparency is the key. And yes. so when in, when my husband and I started working with a financial planner, she gave us basically like her own version of Mint.com. I think okay. it's a system that maybe financial advisors use. It's called Blue Leaf. Um, I don't know if it's like a payment thing, but you can do the same thing with Mint. If you just load all of your accounts into one place, it forced us to have transparency. I mean, we had transparency before, but now it's like accountability and we can sort of see where all the money is. And it's also really rewarding because combined, our net worth is banging. You know, it's great to see that like teamwork and like to see both of our network net worth, you know, going up or down. But I think you can get something similar from Mint. Oh, I think I'm going to try that because I'm like, I'm the one dragging our net worth down with this daggone student loan because we, neither one of us have um, credit card debt, although I suspect he still is paying down uh, Best Buy because every time I turn around, we have a new speaker. Mm. What is it about men with Best Buy? <laughs> yeah, I know, but like no real credit card debt, meaning like, you know, he probably owes maybe like $600, but I don't have any credit card debt. He doesn't have any other debt whatsoever. I still have student loan debt, but um, we just use good old fashioned Excel. Um, because I'm not super techie and so Excel is like really easy. So like our spreadsheet is up. It's like, cause honestly we talked about money before, but really, really didn't dig, dig deep until like literally right before getting married. And then in the beginning we're I mean, we're only married a few months now. Um, and so, yeah, we use Excel and then after kind of figuring out, um, what, you know, how much the household bills and stuff were, we realized we could live off his income. So he came up with a solution that we finally put into full practice and that we have, um, I already had a bills account. So I, I gave him now we're co not co-owners. I don't know, like co whatever people, like we both are, are part of that bills account. And then we opened up another checking account. So now we have two joint tech checking accounts. So the bills account is where I pay all of our bills now collectively. So his um, paycheck loan um, lands in our our um, joint uh, checking account, and then I transfer the bill money into the bills account, and um, the rest kind of stays into the, our other joint checking account, which is our spending account. And he keeps like two fifty or whatever for himself, or like one twenty five a week or whatever it is, 
250 or 300 for himself, like 150 a week. That's it. That's what it is. 150 a week for like just spending, like BS spending. And so if he goes food shopping or I go food shopping or we're spending on something that's like um, family focused, you know, that kind of thing, then we use our spending account debit card, which we keep in the house. Like, babe, I'm going food shopping. I'm grabbing the debit card. Great. And then all the bills, like I said, I, I pay all the bills now um, from our bills account because I pull from his check. And then all of the money that I make for my two businesses, um, well, I would say 90% of it because we, sli- we still need to slightly cover it, is we save and invest that money. And so we have a new financial advisor. And so we're really like, we're buying, actually, we found a second home that we're actually going to buy. So we'll probably have two homes in the next six months. We found a home like super cheap. Um, and it's a huge, it's a teardown, but it, it'll help. Like the location is amazing. And so, you know, that's, that's what we've worked out. We've heard of but your we, house. No, the <laughs> second one. No, I have a second house. Wait, what? So that, yeah. So our first house, which is where we're going to live and we're going to buy that cash. Our second house, we found a house for $10,000, but it's a, it's like a, it's like a haunted house. Like there's nothing you can, we can't even walk inside sight unseen. Um, but the location is so amazing. Um, and so it's like, it's, but we were, we were fortunate enough to be able to, to get it for that cheap. So I was like, we can't say no, even we weren't planning on getting this house right now, but we have to get it. How are you going to so, drop the fact that you have a second house, like 90, <laughs> 90% of the way through the podcast. Now we have to revisit this on the next episode. Later. No, because you know, I want to close first before something, oh, you know, okay. I'm like, yes, let's close first. But then I'm like, what? We'll have two houses one year, both bought cash, oh, but the goodness. other one we're going to. I know we're going to actually have to get a mortgage on the, that second house because we have to get money to fix it up because it's like mm-hmm. a tear down. Um, but we'll t- I'm going to talk to you guys about how we plan to really like maximize on that second house because I'm excited. So that's how we do ours. Really just Excel. And so that way he can see like kind of what's happening because I was already using Excel for myself. And, you know, I basically manage our, our finances as far as like day to day and then we have our financial advisor that we'll be meeting with quarterly to kind of manage the rest. Cause I want to be, I'm 38. I told him by 45, I want to be multimillionaires. I'm sure you will be. That's like, like that's our goal. Multimillionaires who both drive three-year-old cars. <laughs> that's the best kind to be. Yeah, and, and I'm still shopping at JCPenney and Target. It just makes everyone like being more, even more jealous. Like she has the money and she still doesn't use it. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just can't say, I can't justify like, you know, like I, $500 sweater. That seems crazy. Real quick though, because she did ask for like an app and we recently reviewed the Honeydew app, which is kind of mm. cute. It's for couples who want to better, like it's, and she sounds like she wants like a monthly budgeting, like, like paying the bills and things like that, that they're trying to stay on top of. I think this could be a great app for her. So both cup people in the relationship, a couple, it's meant for couples. Um, you sign up for the account and it does, like I was saying before, it puts all of your, um, your financial accounts all in one place, but it also helps you track your bills. So it'll tell you, you know, you have this bill that's coming up and it also lets you see, um, I think you can control the notifications, but you might get alerts when this account gets below a certain level or when, or when your husband maybe spends a lot at Walmart, uh, has like a big grocery bill and it'll alert you. And I think that that helps. I think this is like a great conversation starter. And it also, I don't know, it, I, sometimes I think sometimes like if you ask all the time, Hey, what did you spend at the store? what did you spend here? what did you spend there? It can sound like you're nagging. Or it can start a fight. But if everything is just there transparent, then you're all on the same foot. One person doesn't have to get defensive and you don't yes. have to worry about, you know, making them like putting them on the on the defense or you being on offense or whatever. I'm clearly awful with sports analogies. 
but I love it. I love it. And I like that it has bill reminders too, because I think, especially if you're living together for the first time, I don't know if she, if they're living together for the first time or not, but um, you know, it, it, it could be a situation where you're each used to managing your own finances and all of a sudden yeah. you're sharing some expenses or one person is maybe managing more than they have before. And you want to make sure that they're actually doing it. Cause it's like nothing worse than finding out your significant other forgot to pay the light bill when the light goes out. Yes. <laughs> I've had what? Like when I was like in my early twenties, one of her, my friends told me that she was like, yeah, the light bill went out. You know, my boyfriend told me that like, like in the building, blah, blah, blah. She found that nobody else's light went out in the building. <laughs> And she was like, that seems weird, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, your early 20s. I'm like, girl, I didn't want to tell me the one to tell her. Girl, he didn't pay the bill. Like, nobody's lights just go out in your apartment. I mean, that's possible, but the light bill was not paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can even, like, leave comments on the Honeydew app transactions, like a smiley face or, like, write something saying, like, really? The coffee shop again? Or Best Buy again? It could be fun. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Best Buy again. He was like, there's speakers in the house. I don't want to talk about it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Why do you need so many freaking speakers? Like, Why? Much. I'm like, what happened? Did we have some other speakers? He was like, no. I broke the whatever he said. I was like, ugh, whatever. I mean, honestly, he's not a big spender at all. So I just said, okay. He looked at me like, that's it. I was like, because he did really good on Christmas. We went Christmas shopping for Supergirl. And he did not go like bananas and I was really proud of him like hey we got some really cute stuff for her but we didn't like when I first met him I thought he had like multiple children by the looks of Christmas and so (laughs) I was like wait so do you give gifts to all the kids in the neighborhood he's like no no this is just hers I'm like so these 30 presents belong to one six-year-old child huh okay now it's like you know just a few and the truth of the matter is Supergirl is not even all that materialistic which is funny Cause I asked her that year what she liked most, and it was like her 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 sheet set that her aunt got her. You should have seen Aww. his face. I know because he spent twenty five hundred dollars on a on a kitchenette set for her room, twenty five hundred dollars, and she was like, "I love the sheets." And I looked at him like, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <laughs> There's nothing like fresh. Supergirl loves staples. Okay, like what? Do, I don't know what you thought buying her super expensive stuff. She's not really like she's the type. You give her some markers and a fresh notebook or coloring book. She is in hog heaven. That's my kind of kid. How do I, <laughs> how do I make sure my kids also are nerds? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just really fortunate. We're nerds mm. together. <laughs> it's time for Wednesday. Oh wait. Wait, we don't air on Wednesday anymore, right? Tuesday? We do air on Wednesdays, yes. We're oh, recording geez. a day early this week because... That's right. It's time for win. <laughs> I love that. I was like, wait a minute. Yes, Wednesday. Ooh, we ought to keep that one. Wednesday. One of these days, one of y'all going to jump up and say, let me sing the, the um, transitions for you, and I will gladly accept. No, I like your transitions. <laughs> Everybody else was like, yeah, no, only you, Mandy. Um, So what is your win for the week? Um, I know that I briefly discussed this audiobook that I purchased last week, um, but I finally started listening to it. And I have got to say, if you were even like thinking about buying the new memoir by Jennifer Lewis, you must get the audiobook. It is, it is my life right now. Like she is, she sings in it. She's like a comedian. I mean, telling her life story. It's like a one woman show. It is spectacular. And like, you learn a lot of things about her career that 
that give you a sense of like, okay. I mean, on, on the one hand, like, so she starts off the book where she's taking a, a trip to the, to Grecian islands and to Italy, like on her own solo woman traveling, you know, a famous woman too, solo traveling and thinking she's on the brink of retirement. And, you know, am I done? Am I done being an actress? Am I done being a performer? And then she, she has a conversation, she says, with the moon or God. And she's like, I'm not done. I still have dreams. I still have goals. And here's what I want. And she said it to the moon. And two days later, she got blackish when she got back <gasps> to the United States. Ah. Can you imagine we almost didn't have Grandma Ruby? I just, yeah. That is just, don't you just love stories like that? <sighs> yes. And I, uh, I feel like she's the auntie grandma because my grand I actually had a grandma Ruby and she died when I was six and I feel like I never got to know my 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 um that 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 grandmother figure especially like and the older I get the more I find out about my about my grandmother's family and I always knew I always knew that we had roots in slavery but I found out that my living great uncle used to pick cotton and he just like let that slip into a sly conversation yeah he never told me about his young childhood and my grandma Ruby had to stay home. They were, there were six or seven of them. She stayed home. She quit school when she was like 13 or 14 years old. I found out from this conversation with my great uncle to watch all of them. That's why she dropped out of school. And oh. none of them realized it, or at least they were too young, you know. Yeah. She dropped out to take care of them. And then they went to work and they were picking cotton and their parents, um, you know, were doing the same thing. And it wasn't until they were much older that grandma Ruby told them how much she had sacrificed to take care of them and from that point forward all my great uncles they called them the four horsemen because there's four living great uncles uncle ray uncle boo uncle arthur uncle um uncle um cresley um they made sure she never went without from then on yes i just got chill like literally i just got chills i love that yeah, I don't know how I got to my grandma Ruby from, but anyway, I just I I love Jennifer Lewis and I and I think I'm at a time where I'm I'm like really ready to listen to the stories yeah. from people who are much much older. Yeah, um, and I have to go seek out that older grandmother figure, I guess, since I didn't have one. Yeah, um, oh, and I just love that name. That's such a great grandma name, uh, Grandma Ruby. Ruby Lee Woodruff. Um, <laughs> oh, that grandma. is such a great name. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm Mandy Lee. Anyway. Uh- Oh, oh, Mandra, I love that. So yeah, but the, the but the official win was for Jennifer Lawrence or sorry, Lawrence, Jesus. Jennifer <laughs> Lewis. Her audiobook is called Mother of Black Hollywood. So freaking good. Definitely get it. I mean you can get the written, but I think the audiobook's amazing. Well, my win is going out to none other than Drina Sheree Whitfield. Yes, honey, I said your middle name. So Huffington Post. For those of you who don't know, Drina is my publicist, but I've known her all my life, basically. Um, but she is a powerhouse publicist. She's awesome. I mean, she's been, uh, she works with now um, Patrice Colors of Black Lives Matter. She's worked with Cory Booker, who's now a senator. She's worked with like large brands, small brands, Prudential, just all of these. Like, she's just awesome. And so, but she's used to publicists are behind the scenes. Their job is to showcase their client. So it's rare that she gets showcased. But the Huffington Post just did this big story um, naming her one of the top 25 African-American PR millennials to watch. And she couldn't believe it because, like I said, she just kind of does the work quietly. She's and 
Yeah. And it's just, honestly, it was so nice because she doesn't really get, and the truth of the matter is she doesn't actually like recognition. She almost, when they reached out to her, she was like, yeah, no. I was like, are you crazy? Answer the questions and get your recognition because they did a large article kind of showcasing all of them. And then each got individual articles. And I was like, girl, are you crazy? Answer your article questions. Um, but yeah, she is amazing. She doesn't ask to be, you know, kind of like put out there for people to see and she's actually not comfortable in the spotlight so she'd probably be like Tiffany stop I'm like oh well I mean like she works really hard and she's really hard on herself but I'm always telling her like you know you're doing amazing work and it's showing um and so yeah I'm just really really proud of you for for being um featured in Huffington Post and being called top 25 African-American PR millennials I know that there is so much more um, if you have seen me on TV or any sort of, I mean, you have to think to yourself when I met Drina, the Bajanisa was literally a word that my sister made up. And now like you've seen me likely everywhere, but that's my focus has not been on getting my name out there in like the traditional press. It's always just been, I'm a teacher. I'm going to create programs to help women. And that's all that I've ever focused on. So all of this extra stuff that, cause people always ask me like, Oh my God, how did you? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Drina just calls me and says, send me this. And then she's like, on Wednesday, you're going to California to do the real. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and so she's always constantly pushing me and then preparing me for the opportunity. That's the part people don't see is that her making me go over the script literally 50 times over and over and over and over telling me what to wear, finding me the makeup person, the person to do my hair, all of that, when you see me presented on TV, is really, it's not just Drina getting me to television or whatever media outlet. It's her preparing me to do well. Um, yeah, she's honestly, I don't think she realized just how amazing she is. And she's a new mom. Her son's only two years old and she's going harder than ever. So I look at her when I'm like, ah, how do you make it work with the kid? And somehow she does. And so congratulations, Drina. You are my Wednesday. I'm a Drina fan. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, she's my bestie. She hates when I tell people that. She's like, then they're not going to take me seriously. I'm like, we're beyond the point. People know you slay. <laughs> like, in the beginning, I was, like, forbidden to tell people that, like, she was my best friend. She was like, do mm-hmm. not, because I was her only client. So she was like, then it doesn't look like I have, like, a real client. I'm like, girl. But I understood that then. But now I'm like, girl, bye. You're my best friend. <laughs> that's my best friend. That's my best friend. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this was a great epi. You know what? I feel like it was. I think we're. <laughs> I don't know why. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.